Ready? No. There he is, the Gypsy King. How are you? Hello, you two. <laughs> I'm loving the look, loving the look. <laughs> hey, amazing. Oh, I might get a bit of a better background for you. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, let's have a look where we could sit. Without some sunshine. Let's... That door, stop all the outside noise coming in. We'll shut these curtains. <laughs> How are we? We're very well. This is Susanna, um, who is a friend of mine and has just become a boxing promoter and is going to promote women's boxing, Tyson. Fantastic stuff. There we go. There we go. Let me see. Do you want it that way? Uh, or, or. How's that? I'm marginally disappointed. I was expecting the Versace shirt. I mean, we'll let you off because you've just finished sparring. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. <laughs> the mirror looks very Versace. No, the whole well, thing is whole very, thing is very. Yeah. It wouldn't have been complete yeah. without the Versace yeah. shirt. That's good. That's good. Tyson. Don't have the Versace shirt. I think I've cuddled up to you in that before, by the way. Or maybe it was the red one. Yeah, I think it was the red one there, Gareth. <laughs> right. Shall we start this meeting? Let's start, yes. Um, to begin at the beginning. Um, I mean, you look phenomenal. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, guys. I have been training in America for the last three months. Um, I've been in an official training camp for over four weeks now. Training's going as training goes, you know how it goes. Um, nigg a few niggling injuries, nothing to write home about. Um, I'm happy with where everything is four weeks out, just under four weeks until the fight date. Three more weeks of tough training, one week of relaxation, then we go and fight. And you've been sparring today, haven't you? I can see it on your lip, for example. Oh, no, this is a cold saw. It's not, um, okay. <laughs> not, not cold. How was sparring today, anyway? Uh, sparring was all right. Just Tuesday, routine, beginning of the week, another tough week coming. I did a good eight rounds today with two different guys, monsters. Got one guy, um, six foot seven and 110 kilos. And the other guy is six foot nine and 120 kilos. So, yeah, pretty big guys. You know the rhythm of Vegas now, though. Um, you know the rhythm yeah. of where you're going down to the top-ranked gym. You know where you're eating. You know, um, are you on the outskirts of the town or are you there in a suite? No, I, uh, I bought a house over here in Henderson. Um, I bought that last month or the month before. So, yeah, I got my own training compound out here in Las Vegas now. Um, I got full-time nutritionist over here george lockhart for this for the, like three or four times we've, we've been together now um no stone left unturned as usual training really hard putting 
it's a lot of smart energy going into it rather than just hard work, a lot of dedication, going to bed early, waking up early, um, eating, drinking. I can't do any more, basically. Oh, I was going to say a little bit. So, <laughs> well, um, are you happy that you have to do this fight? Is there a disappointment you can't do the AJ fight, or are you good that you're you're? Uh, no, I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty uh, happy that I'm I'm fighting and I've got a date, regardless of who it is. Not important to me. Um, I'm just happy that I've got a date and I've got something to sink my teeth into. It's been a long time coming. By the time I get back in the ring, it'll be 18 months out since my last fight, which is a long time considering I'm, I'm nearly 33 years old and I've had a long stint of inactivity throughout my career. So it's nothing new to me, but it's a bit difficult for Deontay Wilder when he's been active all the time. So that might play in my favour. Um, disappointment, no, not at all. I'm out here in the capital of boxing, world capital of entertainment, topping the bill yet again in Las Vegas. Um, another heavyweight heavyweight fight. The dancing on the table when you first got out there, and I love it. It's just amazing. I, I feel I feel you feel the vibe, which I love. I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, there's a time for fun and jokes and fun and games when you're not in camp, and there's a time for being serious and switched on when I'm in camp, which I am now. We're not allowed to smile in camp. Shane, my brother Shane said there's no laughing and there's no smiling in camp so trying to keep the smile dumb. So Tyson, my, my big thing I'm, my big thing is neuroscience and it fascinates me that Wilder took that moment of silence as, as how did that make you feel? Did that make you feel more empowered? Um, no, I, it didn't really make me feel anything to be fair because I thought it was quite a clever move from Deontay Wilder he doesn't do a lot of clever stuff he's not the most articulate person in the world but he, he, he did something where he couldn't be asked questions for the things he'd said. If, if he'd have come into the press conference answering everything, the first thing the press was going to do is tear him apart about the glove allegations and the costume and the trainer and the drugs in his water and the long list continues on. So how would he answer those questions? He, he, he's not going to be able to. Um, so taking the vow of silence was probably the best move he could have done. But standing there, five minutes and 41 seconds is just, I mean, you know, we, we joked about it without being yeah. crude. You know, it's time to have sex twice with a bottle of vodka and a cigar, isn't it? I mean, that's just, <laughs> it's such a long time to stand on stage. How, how did that feel in that moment? Again, no, it was, um, we were standing there. It was his choice to, to stand and not turn away for a minute or two. And all of a sudden, he was feeling uncomfortable and jittery and, and I could see him, he was twitching a little bit and stuff. So his trainer came over and rescued him. Only touched him on the shoulder and said, that'll do now, D. And he was so happy to be rescued. So if you were going to go to the point of not looking away for five minutes and 41 seconds, why turn away and give a moral victory away straight away like that? The, the things that, obviously, like you say, he managed to shut you out in a way. Um, like you said, it's quite a clever move in a way. But the problem comes in fight week, because he can't say nothing all the way up to the fight, can he? I don't really think that you can talk all as much as you want to. When you get in the boxing ring, the talking's over. Yeah. So it doesn't really go for much, to be fair. There's a lot of ways you could look at this psychologically. He may have had the headphones on because he doesn't want to get into a, a to and throw with me and he doesn't want to get into a talking match because every time he does so, he comes out second best. He doesn't want me to let, let me get into his head or whatever. But that there is all, all weakness, in my opinion. He wears earphones with music so I don't get in his head. What type of a mentality is that? 
Tyson, how much out of interest do you think a fight is won before you get into the ring, or is it all as you action into the ring? Um, again, for me, like people could say whatever they want to about me, and it doesn't really mean much. I'm not really too bothered. It doesn't change it in my the way I'm going to fight or anything like that. Suppose it's all down to your mental makeup, what type of mentality you have towards your job. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I can't answer that because my mental makeup is 100% con concrete. I'm unbreakable. You, 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 you broke him last time. You put the bully on the back foot and he had no answer to it. The obvious question is, do you continue from where you left off last time in your trilogy fight? Yeah. I've, I've done nothing wrong. I um, just continue to do what I do, you know keep moving forward and putting the pressure on him, landing big punches. He's the one that's um, coming off a knockout loss and a one-sided fight. and He's the one who's got to tell himself all these reasons why he lost and sack everybody in his team and blame everybody and point the finger. You know, if you're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict or something like that, the only way you can actually move on from that is acceptance. You can't be in denial about it and say, I'm not a alcoholic, I'm not a drug addict. The first way of recovering and getting over something is accepting what's gone on. Mm. And the way he's been acting and conducting, he can't accept defeat. Yeah, so he's trying to be aggrieved, isn't he? He's trying to find reasons to be aggrieved. He's trying to find reasons to... Even after all this time. Yeah, yeah. He still hasn't moved on from defeat. So when you can't let go of something, there's a saying, for he who holds a hot coal with intentions of throwing it at somebody ends up getting burnt himself. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So that's what I think is happening with Deontay Wilder, but he's not to be underestimated. He's got nothing to lose and everything to gain. You are still facing the heaviest puncher in probably the history of the heavyweight division with single punches, and you've ridden them. For sure. Can, can I just push you on something, though? Because it's something that... You are the man that steps in the middle. You are the man that brings his voice to the middle of it. You are the man who puts his life, his legacy his history, his religion, everything on the line. The world, even though, and we're all excited about the trilogy fight with Deontay Wilder because you're two giant human beings signing a contract to fight on a certain date at a certain place, certain time, and we will all either be there or watching. But there is so much global excitement, and I know you well enough to know that you want I know you say you don't want a legacy, but we want the legacy for you, all right? In that way, let me put it that way. How much does it matter about fighting Anthony Joshua to even entertain the world and show that you are the modern Muhammad Ali, that you are the modern George Foreman? How much do you want that fight to show us, to entertain us? When I fight Deontay Wilder next, and I get through that, then I'll answer that question. Uh, until then... Changed. You never change. Until then, I've got no interest in Anthony Joshua. Yeah. If that fight was going to happen, it would have happened. But it, the route was that this is going to be the fight that happens next. And you know what happens to people who, who look forward to other fights other than the fight they're having? They get knocked out. I can't make that mistake. Because at the end of the day, whether a fight, AJ, Wilder, whoever there is out there, it's not about what they bring to the table. It's about what I do for me. 
It's like, my, it's what I'm going to do on the night, whatever it is. It doesn't make a difference. They're just names. See, over here in America, Anthony Joshua's a nobody. They're not interested. This is the biggest fight by far. Absolutely. And it's bigger now. And it's bigger. Oh, it's much bigger with all the controversy. And we've been on pay-per-view twice. And the general public in America are starting to get them to know us a lot better than they did the first time and second time. It's a very eagerly anticipated fight. The tickets for this unbelievably well compared to last time, even though the Brits aren't allowed to travel. So it just shows how much bigger this is this time. So yeah, over here, me and Anthony Joshua isn't a big fight, but me and Deontay Wilder is. In Britain, it's a, it's, it's a one-sided affair. Obviously, me and AJ is the biggest fight. But over here, uh, he's only known for getting knocked out by the fat guy he didn't train. <laughs> so they're not really too much interested in him until he can do something. So I loved watching you at the Canelo fight, the way in, the kind of involvement in it all and being there and being part of it all. How, so obviously you've been a massive champion in mental health moving forward. Where, you know, where, where do you think that now sits in boxing? Do you think there's enough support for all of that? I think there's a, there's a lot of support going on worldwide now for a mental health and smashing the stigma of it all and in day-to-day in -day jobs and not just sports. It's, it's gaining a lot of momentum in everyday life. People coming out now and speaking about it a lot more in the last few years than they've ever done ever. I think they're like even the government are talking more about it um, than they've ever done. So I think there's a lot more help today than there's ever been. It's more acceptable today and more people are more educated on the matter than they've ever been in the history before. And I, and I, I think you've, you've accelerated that. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Mm. I think, you know, you're, you're a force to be reckoned with. You're a very big guy. So to be able to say, actually, this is the moment there. It's important is, is absolutely incredible. And I think it's amazing. But there's one more thing I'd really like to obviously as a boxing promoter now, specializing only in women's boxing you have a daughter so are you only uh, promoting women's boxing yeah so I've, so I've just set up something called unified promotions and it's just for women so um a safe haven a good place for women to be able to train encourage mm. women in sport but more if i'm honest as well about the whole rhetoric mm. about the right equipment so that you know you you guys have got belt belt heights mm. protect your crown jewels but sits right across the women's ovaries. And actually that's not right. And gloves aren't right for women. They're just, you know, they're, they're men's gloves, but made small and pink. So we have a phrase that you pink it and shrink it, but maybe that's not good enough. We need actually some gloves. So, you know, that women's boxing wasn't in the Olympic or hasn't really been around for more than 10 years. The Olympics was 2012. So for me, it's about providing now a place where women can go. But my question or where I'd be really interested is, A, do you like watching women's boxing? And B, would you let your daughter box? Well, it's a great subject, and I'm glad you've touched on it. I think women's boxing, just like mental health, is in the best place it's ever been in history. Um, do I like women's boxing? Fantastic. I think the women's boxing, it's very, very common known that women have a higher pain threshold than men. It's 100% true. And when you watch women's boxing, can you hear me, everyone? Because I think you, I've lost you a little bit. It's gone a little bit quiet. Well, when, you, when, you, when you hear about yeah. women's boxing, yeah. Yeah, when I watch women's boxing, they get stuck in. There's never a bad fight. The, 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 there's, excuse me, French, but there's no push pussies in women's boxing. They're like, <laughs> they go down, pretending to be knocked out. There's no, it seems to be with, with the guys, there's always them fighters. and They like, they show out and they don't want to be in there. And with the girls, they're like, 
that, that doesn't happen. They get stuck in, they get caught up and busted up. And women's boxing's on a big high with like the likes of Katie Taylor and and the Persoon Girl and Natasha Jonas and um there's so many of them. There's so many good, good girl fights. Michaela Mayer over here for the top ranked girl and Shields, um, you know. Arresta Shields. Uh, who else is there? The um uh, H.H. Diva, there's Savannah Marshall, who your uncle's Savannah trained. Marshall, she's pretty good. Yeah, there's, 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 uh, there's loads. There's loads now. Matchroom have um, created women's boxing, so fantastic achievement to, to Eddie Earn. Even though we don't see eye to eye, but he has really put women's boxing on the map. Like, unbelievable amount. And it's um, very watchable now. Um, people are... I'd, I'd pay per view to watch these women fight world title, just like I'd pay per view to see the top blokes fight. So I'm all I'm all for it. Would I let my girls box 100 percent if they wanted to? Oh, yeah. Muhammad Ali's daughter Layla Ali was a world champion, like a dad. Yeah, yeah. It's just that I've got two two daughters at the moment, and they're both very girly. They're not interested in um, boxing <coughs> at all. Give it time, though. Give it time. Yeah, so... Um, Seems to be, when they were younger, they were more interested. And now I've got one, like, she's turning 12 soon. She'd be more into, like, um, girly stuff, whatever that may be. I have an 11-year-old who's 99.9% .9 certain she's a Disney princess. So there's no box. Oh, well, yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, yeah, they might come round, mightn't it? It might come good in the end. Might do. One of the things, just going back to that, what you're saying about um, the, the mental health, I think one of the things... <laughs> that you broke the mold with as well is that you're from like fighting as part of the family and, and and holding yourself in and not showing your emotions and you know i mean as we know you and i went for a run on the beach in uh marbella when you were 27 stone you know yeah keep up with you only because you were 27 stone but it's like <laughs> um from the family you're from, it was an extraordinary thing for you to break the mold and do that. But it was only because you plumbed the depths and had dark days that you were actually able to do that. Has that had an impact on your family around you as well? Most definitely. Um, my dad, my brothers, family members, cousins, relatives, they were all pretty uneducated on mental health. And I believe that a lot of them suffer with it. Yeah. Like my dad, he's definitely a mental health sufferer. And even he's coming to grips with it now, and he'll admit it. Where before it was like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I've not got no problems. But now they're accepting it. And it's like, I did a, like a tour, like a mental health tour in England in 2019. And my dad came with me and he was like, I didn't know there was this many people struggling. Mm. So he, he really can see it's, it's, it's been a massive, I believe I've had a massive impact on, on mental health um, moving forward in the UK, for sure, and around the world. And yeah, I believe that it's more definitely more acceptable now and people are trying to come out with it. And you won't believe the amount of messages and um letters I've been wrote and people stopping me in the street saying you've saved me life, this that, and the other. So it's definitely been um one of the best things I've ever achieved in my life. That's, is, that's for sure. Is it for you? I know you're a fighting man, as we always talk about, you know. You're a fighting man, born and bred to fight, yeah. Um but is your bigger legacy in the end going to be what you've done for that rather than what you do in the ring? I don't know. You know, the sport is one thing. and It's been very good to me, boxing. 
I've had a lot of low times and it's made me very unwell as well at times. Mm. But the highs are great. The lows are terrible. Um, after every extreme high, there's got to be even even lower low for me. So when I beat Wilder, like last time, I returned home. And for the first 10 days, the only thing I think about was suicidal thoughts. Amazing. Wow. So, yeah, it was very it was a very low time for me. And it took me two weeks to get right again. And this is after every extreme high somebody who's on a mental health patient level like myself there's always going to be extreme lows so the higher the high the lower the low and that's 100 true but it's, it's knowing how to manage and maintain these problems and that's the word that is the key factor here it's the maintenance word because if you can know yourself and know you're going to get well again in a few days then you're going to be okay so is there a but bit um, to this next fight that you're almost expecting from the high to the low? Is there a I already know what's going to happen every time. Every single fight I've ever had. And it's not just me. I believe that I'd say 85% of boxers are the same. Mm. Just, where's the, where, without going into, without going, this being a kind of a therapy session. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you get those... Um, when you're in that mood, when your brain's there, when, you're, when your soul is there, is Paris there for you in that moment? Where, where, where do you go to in yourself? Where do you go to, 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 to go in and then come out of it? How do you, how do you process You're that? in your own head. Yeah. I'm sure we've all heard that saying before. I'm mean, stuck in my own mind. Yeah. That's where you go. And it just takes time to get back right again. It's not going to happen in, in one day or, or one hour. It takes time and and I, I get back well again quite quickly mm. and I'm able to just, the routine does it for me. It's a massive change. I go from headlining in Las Vegas, being the king of the world, to doing the bins in Morecambe Bay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a massive change. I go from being out here for two, 10 to 12 weeks, yeah. um, training every day, having me food cooked, being trapped like a top class racehorse to go back home to becoming dad again, the adjustment, yeah. dad, school runs, um, bin days, that sort of stuff, cooking, cleaning, all, all the normal stuff that, that um, you do as a husband and a father. Please tell me though, you still do it in that amazing Versace um, ensemble. That even when you're doing the bins, that you're still out, you're still rocking, you're still rocking the look. Tell me you don't. don't. I, I have, I have been known to do the bins in a free piece before. Love that, <laughs> love that. Um, yeah, so, but you um, know, it's you have to come back down to earth. Yeah, it's how can't stay, it's can't stay in the stars. There has to be a point where you return to normality. Yeah. Whatever normality is to you, you have to return to it because if you stay at that elevated level you get lost. Has all this stuff that you go through, <coughs> has it made you a, a better fighter, boxer, because you've actually explored yourself a little more and you understand why you do it and maybe the, the consequences of doing it? No, I think we've touched on this before briefly. We have. Um, I have two characters. Yeah. So Tyson Fury as a, as a man, is a very flawed character. We're only human after all, we all make mistakes. Mm. We're all tempted. We're all, we all do things on a daily basis that maybe we shouldn't do. But the Gypsy King is untouchable. And when I'm in a boxing ring or when I am that person, 
I've never had any trouble. The Gypsy King's never experienced mental health issues. He's never experienced downtime or, or loneliness or depression or anxiety. Never, never had suicidal thoughts, never had anything, actually. <coughs> but when I returned from that person, more backing into myself, then I have the trouble. So has it made me a better boxer? No, mm -hmm. because Tyson Fury as a man is not a boxer. So but... Is the Gypsy King married with children or is the Gypsy no, King... No, it's the alter ego. Yeah, the Gypsy King is just a fighting animal. Yeah, just completely... Gladiator, a Spartan. Into that moment, you completely ignore, you completely put aside everything else, you're just in it. Yeah, nothing else matters. Like, it's only the fight, that's it. Amazing. So, um... How far below you, <coughs> psychologically, mentally, in the office, back to boxing now, in the office, are all the other heavyweights in the world behind you? You know, I believe that I'm improving on a daily basis. I try to be better than, than yesterday that I am today. I try to be better today than I was yesterday. Correction. Um, <laughs> I've started to do things correct in the later years of my career. I've only started taking boxing seriously at nearly 30 years old, which is the crazy thing. You, you know, you've known me for a long time, Gareth, and after every single fight, I'd balloon up to like 25 stone, 24, 10, 26 stone, and have to get back down to 18, 19. So I never had the... Um, it was always a weight loss boot camp, always. Mm -hmm. Now I've been doing it correct since like 29 and a half. Um, I learned that I could stay in shape and, and it was good for my mental health and it was good for my physical fitness and good for me as an athlete to stay in shape all year round. And just what I should have done from the beginning, really. But we all learn and make mistakes and, and experience is, is an inv invaluable thing. Um, so, yeah. Now I do things correctly. I'm eating right and I don't let me weight go above a certain weight. And I'm, I'm training and physically, mentally, emotionally practicing stuff on a daily basis. So how, how far are behind the competition? Only the history will tell the story of that. Because, you know, I'm nearly 33. I've had a long, long career. Like I turned professional at 20 years old back in 2008. Yeah. Everybody else on the class of 2008 is retired, yeah. finished, long gone. And I'm a, I'm a lone standing soldier on my own now. And it's like, how far can I push this legacy? Stratosphere, beyond. Like Buzz Lightyear said, to infinity and beyond. Yeah. I think I've surpassed that. We are. You know, it's... Um, I got this wilder fight. I've got a few fights left on my contract. Um, I'm just going to see how it goes. Play it by ear. Just one fight at a time because you never know what tomorrow will bring. We really don't know. AJ Usyk, is it going to happen and who's going to win? Will it happen? I don't know. They, they said it's going to happen. I'm reading that it's going to happen in September. I haven't paid it too much attention, to be fair. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I've been analysing the fight and whatever, because I haven't. I've been concentrating on my own fight. I think it's a, it's a good fight for, for, for both guys, and there'll be a lot to prove on it. Everyone puts two seconds in the pound-for-pound pound list, whatever that means. Um, 
and everyone's like, can Joshua handle someone with a good boxing ability and speed and accuracy? And the other way around, can Usyk handle a big, a big mammoth and a big puncher and a strong heavyweight, a lot bigger than the guy? So it's um, it'll be an interesting fight to watch, and I'll definitely buy it on the TV to watch it for sure. So pound for pound, you touch on that. Who, who's your top? Who, who have you got? I, I don't believe. I don't believe in it. It doesn't mean anything for me. Oh, see, we had this debate. It's mythical. Earlier. You don't believe in the mythical, do you? Well, it's like the Minotaur and Zeus and all them things. It's like they're, they're made up legends. So pound for pound is the same. And I believe it was created to give the little guys in the division some credibility, like flyweights, bantamweights, because the heavyweights were always the traction. Like they're always the golden stars of, of boxing and of the, of the game. So without these little lists, who would hear of a, a nine stone Japanese guy? Nobody. So they've got to have these type of things to, to give these little guys and girls credibility in the game because people are usually interested in the big heavyweights. Throughout generations, if you, if you ask like some of the general public to name some boxers, so ask them to name 10 boxers, most of them will be heavyweights. So if you were going to name your favourite heavyweight... Obviously, other than yourself, who is it? Who, who's who's the who's the man that made you go? Oh my God, that's amazing! Uh, I've watched boxing all my life and I've analysed it a lot and I've watched a lot of heavyweights over the years. And I don't have an actual favourite, but I, I have a lot of people that I really admire, like Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes, Michael Spinks, um, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis. A lot of these guys were all great fighters. There, there was everyone's can only be as good as their generation will allow them to be. Um, we, we can only be as good as our competition as well. If you're a dominant heavyweight in an era that you don't have good competition, then you will not go down as a legendary fighter. That's for sure. Why was Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran talked about as four kings because they had each other? If you look at the, the dominance of Vladimir Klitschko and Vitaly Klitschko, people were happy when they moved over because they didn't have much competition throughout their reign. Um, same with like the likes of um, Joe Lewis. Mm, great mm. champions, 26 title defences, but they never had that great back and forth. People talk of the heavyweight from the 70s, the Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, George Foreman, Ken Norton. They were four great heavyweights who all fought each other multiple times. The trilogies with Muhammad Ali and people like that, just they were they were great because they were, they were the competition made them great. And yeah. I believe that I've got competition like yes. that now. Well, well, so have we got time? Well, you, you're obviously having the trilogy with Wilder um, on on the 24th of July in Las Vegas. Can you envisage a trilogy with Anthony Joshua? Don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Convic- you think you knock him out. That's why. And you knock him out. The thing is with the trilogy, the trilogy only happens if there's been a controversial thing in the yeah. first fight. Yeah. Or if it was really close the first time, yeah. something went wrong. Someone never got the decision. The second time, one guy wins. and they, Or they win one each. Yeah. That's how trilogies happen. But whether that will happen, I don't ever see myself losing a fight. So... I don't see like it can be one all and then we go again. You know what you do to Anthony Joshua. You've got the vision of it in your head. I know you're focused on Deontay Wilder at the moment because we spoke to you the other day about this. 
But you think you knock them all out anyway now, don't you? I do, I do believe that I, I can get the better of all these people. And the reason I believe this is because there's a lot of facts behind it. It's not just me assuming something or surmising something. Facts are that I've been a pro since 2008 and I've travelled the world and I've fought up-team champions who had more than 10 title defences. Um, and I've travelled to their backyards and I fought the fights that nobody else wanted to do all the way through my career. Started off fighting good men when I wasn't ready for it at a young age. And I've always found a way to win every single time. And even when the chips were down and, and I was down on the canvas, I've always managed to get up and, and do my business. And, and I haven't found someone to better me in all those years. 31 professional fights and nearly 33 years old. So I'm still traveling the world to try and find that man. And I haven't found him yet. This is Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined by Lou DeBella for DeBella's Digest. And I should just say before we crack on that as we're uh, recording this, the Euros quarterfinal between Italy and Belgium is going on. I've interrupted it to speak to Lou. Lou's still watching it half or half watching it in the background with his uh, the, the country of his heritage going for their place in the semis. But Lou, how has your week been up until now, which is probably very stressful? been an interesting week um it looks like boxing will officially return with an audience to new york for the first time on august 3rd at the theater at madison square garden got announced yesterday triller fight club is doing it um you know with a versus hip-hop sort of battle between uh rap stars noriega and, and uh Beanie seagull and um and there'll be a, a full fight card and, and I'll be the local promoter. So it's sort of cool that I will be working on the first, um, you know, ticketed audience boxing show in New York since the pandemic. So I'm happy about that. So it was, uh, it's, you know, I'm not going to complain about the week. It's been an okay week. What's on the agenda for today, <laughs> Danny? What are we talking about? Well, someone else who seemed very happy this week, apparently because he can now lift 310 pounds on a bench press, is Deontay Wilder. I don't know if you've seen that uh, video circulating on social media. It, it caused a bit of a debate, as you can imagine. I mean, look, that's probably the most he's ever put up. Um, and he's obviously getting himself into some shape and, and conditioning himself physically to be strong for this fight. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on him for the video. I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm going to, believe me, I'm not a weightlifter and I'm not going to purport to be an expert on lifting weights, but I do have friends of mine that I grew up with who are diseased weightlifters. And a few of them tell me that, um, that his, um, that his technical uh, prowess cool. uh, on the bench was, might've been lacking a bit. Um, you know, but I, I don't think he's a natural weightlifter either. So I think that for him, I think that was more of an achievement than his own sort of realm. You know, um, it, it didn't look like perfect form to me, but, you know, maybe it doesn't need to. He didn't get hurt and he's certainly confident in his strength, which I think his strength is his best hope. Right. 
Is that kind of the thing? Not out boxing. You know this tonight. It's not out boxing Tyson Fury. It's not. He's either knocking him out or beating him up, but he's no like virtually impossible to see him outboxing him. So physical strength's probably an important component for him. How much of this kind of weightlifting and this switching and how he trains is about physically improving, and how much of it is about boosting his mindset and his confidence? I think if he's going to win, even by knockout, if he's going to, if the puncher's chance is going to come through, his head has to be in the right place. Yeah. Right. So if part of this stuff that looks weird is an effort by Malik and the people around him to get his head into the right space, it's probably smart. You know, though, though you can get hurt lifting a lot of weight with bad form. (laughs) That being said, I think getting your head right, if you're a Dante Wilder, is usually important right now. What did you make of his behavior at the launch press conference where Malik did pretty much all the talking? He sat there with his uh, headphones on, didn't really want to engage. Smart move, do you think? I mean, it's not something I like, but, but you know, I, look, his career is on the line. He knows it. I mean, if he gets smoked again, smoked by Fury, where does he go? I mean, he, he's, you know, he's no longer... Uh, among the the elite at the heavyweight division. So whatever, honestly, whatever he wants to do right now to carry him into the fight with the greatest confidence and, and personal peace is probably what he should be doing. Now, that being said, you know, you get paid on promoting a fight. You get paid partially on the performance of a pay-per-view. I mean, they got a pretty good undercard. You and I agreed on that recently. Yeah, very good. You know, there's good heavyweight fights on the undercard, but people want to see a good fight. And, and for it to be a good fight, his head's got to be in the right place and he's got to be better than he was in his last fight. I, I, I personally don't see the advantage of leaving your headphones in your ear and making believe you're not present because what, what's the sense of sitting on that dais? But again, you know, it's all about him, his own head and how he's, you know, where he, when he, he looks across the ring and sees Tyson Fury that night, is he prepared for that moment? And maybe they know better than we do as to what's going to prepare him for that moment. Is there anything else you would have liked to have seen him do or change since the second fight to give him the best possible chance in the third, for example? You know, you got to believe me when I really say this, and I think you know I'm telling the truth. I don't root against him. Like, we had a nice run together. I mean, I sort of got thrown to the curb unceremoniously in a way that I thought was very unfair. I think I tried to do what was right for the guy. Cool. Um, but I got no hatred for him at all. Like I'm not rooting against him. So, but I don't really care. I'm not getting paid and it's not my business. So I'm not hyper judging the decisions they're making or how he's approaching anything, how he acts at a press conference, his comments. I mean, I was on the record when, when he attacked uh, Mark the way he did, because Mark's also a friend of mine, Breland. And I, and I think Mark did the responsible, correct thing the night of that fight, he was in danger of seriously being hurt. And that fight was stopped exactly when it needed to be stopped. And, and I don't care if they don't like the fact I'm saying that, but I'm not going to get on his case about any of this other stuff. I, I, I will always have a, a warm spot for Deontay for having brought me into his picture and, and his career when I was brought in. And I had a nice run with him for a period of time. Do you think a couple of interim fights may have stood him in better stead, built his confidence back up? Yeah, I think fighting in between would have been helpful to him. 
But you know what? Things happened. I mean, he had a rematch clause. And by the way, it was that clause that got him the rematch. Sure. Who knows that what would, you know, once other things start happening, your, your contractual right, the likelihood of getting it is diminished. So I, it may not really have been an option. He, he called in this rematch clause that he had, this third fight clause that he had as part of the Fury deal. So I'm not going to criticize that because it may not have been an alternative. You know, the other thing, too, is Wilder against the total stooge. What does that really do? I mean, he's been around long enough. Knocking out another guy who doesn't belong in the ring with him, is that really going to do much for him? Sure. And, and I, I don't know the answer to that. And, and if you fought a guy like an Andy Ruiz, who knows if you ever get to the third Fury fight? Yeah. You know, I mean, that... So I'm not going to second-guess their decision-making. Now, we know he needs to win by a knockout or stoppage if he's going to come out on top. If you were advising him strategically, is it better to jump on Tyson Fury from the start and just really put pressure on? Or is it better to bide your time, set your shots up and wait for that big opportunity to emerge? You need to box a whole lot better than you box. Look, he's not a great boxer. He's not Tyson Fury as a boxer, but he is nowhere near as bad as he looked in the last fight. He's not. And I worked with him enough to know that. And, and frankly, he boxed much better in Fury and Wilder Fury 1 than he did in, in Wilder Fury 2. Hmm. Right? I think we agree on that. Oh, yeah. he, needs to, he needs to show that he can pop a jab, he can box with Fury, and then if he sees an opening, he needs to take it. He needs to be, he needs to back Fury up some. He needs to get Fury's respect again, you know? And maybe Fury is a little bit like, you know, complacent sitting at the top of the mountain. But, but in order to prove that, he needs to back him up and assert himself a little bit. But he also needs not to fight stupidly. And he needs to pop a jab, do some fundamental stuff and box a little bit. He's always going, if he can keep the fight close, the puncher's advantage swings more toward him a little bit. If it starts being a dominant outboxing and you see that Fury's actually hurting him, then that's not, that's not a recipe for success for Deontay Wilder. And it's not the kind of scenario that's going to allow that puncher's chance to come to fruition. You said earlier uh, his career is on the line. Do you think if he experiences a similar manner of defeat to the last time, he'd hang up the gloves? Or do you just mean his, his career is finished at top level? I don't know that he would hang up the gloves or not. But I do think his career would be... You know, you never say never that a guy can't have a resurgence or win another fight and you don't expect him to. But if he gets smashed by Fury the way he got smashed in the last fight, or if he literally gets counted out, um, he's going to have to do some self-evaluation because I don't know that he's then going to want to fight for the kind of money and opportunities that will be available to him. Look, if it's a great fight and he loses, he's still a factor, right? But if it's, if it's like the second fight, if it's like the first fight, it probably doesn't hurt him very much, if at all. If it's like the second fight, um, it's a big problem. How much of a factor is it in the success of U.S. boxing as a whole to have an American heavyweight competing at the top end of the division? It's very, very important. Um, it's very, very important. Uh, and, and, and I think hopefully there are guys like Stefan Shaw 
Michael Hunter. There are some other guys on the horizon that can fight at the highest level. Can they win at the highest level? That remains to be seen. But there are some guys that could fight at the highest level. Uh, I mean, there are some prospects like Jermaine Franklin, Cassius Cheney. I mean, I heard rumors that Jermaine Franklin might get Dillian White. I don't yeah, know. But if that happened, I, I would favor Dillian. But if, if Jermaine Franklin could pull off that kind of an upset, then he, he moves into that realm. So I think there are other Americans behind Wilder, but there's certainly nobody right now at the level of Wilder, maybe the closest guy being Andy Ruiz. Okay. Well, Lou, I'm going to let you get back to the game. As we know, it's a thriller. Um, hopefully when this goes out, I think he'll go out on Sunday. You guys will be in the semis and, and so will England. And by, by the way, I also, I like the kid top rank has. I'm going to mention him too as an American. I, I, think, I, I think he's a ways away. But I think Jared Anderson has good tools. I, I'm impressed by what I mean. It's very early. It's not ready for the big boys yet. But I'm impressed with what I've seen from him. We'll find out a lot more about him, of course, on the, the Fury Wilder undercard. So. Agreed. Good stuff. Lou. I'm going to go back up. to... Ooh, 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 hold on. Tearing out okay, what's we're... left of your hair. <laughs> watching yes, my, 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 my few remaining hairs are in jeopardy right now watching this. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to my football, uh, and um, Viva Italia, and we'll hopefully see, we'll we see you in the finals. I'm hoping. I'm hoping <laughs> we see each other in the finals. Bye bye. Take care. Later.